0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, media trainer and editor of veganbusinessmedia.com, the multimedia blog providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interviewed Ginger Burr from Total Image Consultants in Massachusetts. Ginger's been running her image consulting and fashion styling business for 29 years, although it wasn't until 2005 that she became vegan and incorporated these ethics into her brand. A music major at college, Ginger did a stint at modelling school and as a typist at MIT before finding her calling at the age of 30 to empower women to feel good about who they are both inside and out and launched Total Image Consultants. As well as working one-on-one with private clients, which include both cis and transgender women, helping them to shop and express themselves in a way that's right for them, Ginger also has a flagship virtual coaching program, Who Taught You How to Dress, and is about to launch a new online program, Dress to Impress Yourself, a DIY guide to a wardrobe you love. Ginger directs corporate seminars and community education programs for some of Boston's most prestigious organizations, including Harvard Law School, Harvard Business School, and the US Army. She's the author of the book That's So You, and in 2007, Veg News Magazine selected her as one of 25 most fascinating vegetarians. In this interview, Ginger discusses how to network the right way, even if you're an introvert why not compromising on your ethics and being unafraid to take a stand is good for business, why she uses the word vegan all over her marketing materials, even though the majority of her clients are not vegan, and much more. Here's the interview with Ginger Burr from Total Image Consultants.
1: Hello Ginger, thank you very much for joining me today. I'm delighted to be here, thank
2: you Katrina. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so you've been in the image consulting business for a long time and uh, and I believe you started out as a regular image consultant and then uh, moved into uh, vegan uh, image consulting or you brought, brought vegan ethics into your business. Tell me about what your reasons are for running your business. What's your why? What's the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning and your mission or your purpose?
2: Well. I started out as as you mentioned. I, I I didn't even know veganism existed, so I was not a vegan image consultant in the beginning. And what really motivated me and inspired me was that I wanted to be able to empower women. And I knew I know back then people thought of you know how you dress I everything mean, it's sort of a shallow thing. You know, we didn't have makeover TV shows, and people weren't talking about it in the same way that we do now. But I knew that when a woman feels really good about how she looks, that she feels self-confident and she feels like she can rule the world to a certain extent. I mean, it takes that one issue away of, you know, am I measuring up? Or do I you know look um, the way I'm uh, appropriate for whatever the situation is? She could let that go and focus on the things that really matter to her. And so I struggled with this a lot myself, how to present myself, and I knew some of those self-esteem and self-confidence issues that could arise when I wasn't feeling like I was projecting or reflecting the look that I wanted to. And so I realized that by getting training and becoming an image consultant and learning first and foremost how to dress myself, that then I could help other women to feel as good about about themselves and how they were presenting themselves as I felt. And I knew what that could do for them in many, many aspects of their life. So that was my why for that. I don't know if you want to get into the vegan part of it now, too, or wait a little bit
1: yeah sure, I mean well, yeah I mean, because that's interesting because I, 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 sometimes you know when you've got a business that can be your original why, and then as you evolve, your why can also change and evolve. so has that mm-hmm. sort of happened with you once you you brought the vegan ethics into it?
2: Well, yes and no i I think my original um, reason why it has has stayed for the past twenty nine years, so that it is, is always at the forefront. Um, the vegan aspect definitely became very powerful for me when I realized how much what we wear impacts animals negatively, obviously. And um, that I wanted to I, I couldn't in good good conscience continue myself to be wearing, wool and silk and leather and down and although I never wore fur but um I couldn't in good conscience wear those things and I realized it had to make its way into my business as well and that I had to be vocal about it so it's um my why now has at least those two components to it um and they're not mutually exclusive which is very heartening
1: Oh, it is, absolutely. Because it's interesting, you said like you've been running your business now 29 years, that's a long time, and you were already running a very successful business. And then you brought your vegan ethics into it. And that's an interesting one for all businesses that do that, because it can be a bit of a risk, you know, there's a risk of sort of alienating your existing or even future clientele. So how did you deal with that challenge of aligning your personal ethics with your business?
2: Well, it was... I had to do it. I mean, I knew in my heart there was no way I couldn't do it. Um, And I also, back when I first started in business, I began not only working with genetic females, but I also worked with the transgender community. And so I helped people who were born with male characteristics to express their feminine feminine side. And that was not very uh, transgender- um, it was not a popular, well, not, I don't know if you'd even call it popular now, but it was not something that people talked about. There was very little known about it, but I had clients who were calling me saying, this is my situation and can you help me? And when I finally said yes, when I realized that I actually could help them, I realized that it was a community of people who felt disenfranchised and that I was somebody who could make a difference in their life. And so I um, was, very, again, very vocal about the fact that I worked with the transgender community. Now, this was at a time when people said that, you know, um, th- that will be the death of your business, that people will think you're kind of weird and they won't want to come to you. And I said, I don't think that's true. and And I don't. Well, it's not that I didn't care, but I honestly believed in it true, and I had to do what was right in my heart. And in fact, I had one woman told me recently, I've been working with her for years, and she said, you know, part of what drew me to what you do is that I realized you worked with the transgender community, and I thought, that's a woman who has her heart in the right place, and I want to work with her. And the reason I'm telling you this is that I felt the same thing was true with veganism for me that I had to let people know that I no longer wear anything that harms an animal and that I can help them to do the same thing as well, and I can teach them how to do that. And that is one aspect of veganism. I'm also very clear about that. Um, And I'm happy to help anybody in any aspect of veganism that they want, but since my expertise is in fashion and style, and since the world really is very, um, the fashion world is very reticent to um, embrace it, um, I felt like I had to be a voice out there that really expressed to people why it was important. And also just every single one of my newsletters, I show examples of women um, reflecting whatever point it is that I'm making. Every piece of clothing or accessory that's in there is vegan friendly. Um, I want women to realize that there is no deprivation and there is no feeling of being um, looking um less than whatever style they want um, to express themselves, however they want to express themselves, it can be done in a way that does not harm animals. So I'm a big believer that you have to live your ethics. And um, so once I got over the shock of what this might do to my business, which I did (laughs) swallow in for a few minutes, I realized (laughs) I, I had to make that a part of my business as well.
1: That's wonderful. I really love that because I think a lot of business owners are frightened, like you say, to kind of take a stand about something because they think that people, you know, it's going to impact their business negatively. But in some ways, it does the opposite because it attracts the right people to to come to your business, and people respect you for for that. So I'm really glad that you uh, you raised that. That's fantastic. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges in in starting up a business because obviously you've been in business for a long time. So I'm curious about what were your challenges when you first started up and how did you overcome them? And then talking a little bit about how they've changed as your business has grown and you've become more successful. Well, um, what
2: wasn't a challenge? (laughs) back There is probably more the question. I started my business (laughs) without having a clue as to how to be a business person. And you have to remember, 29 years ago, there Almost wasn't an internet. And I mean, we certainly weren't doing what we do now on email or websites or any of that. It was was a different world. In fact, even networking was um, for women. And and because I'm in business working with women, I wanted to work and um, network in. Well, once I learned about networking, I didn't even know about networking. Um, I realized I needed to do that in in women's organizations. So I was totally clueless, but I, I had passion and I was very willing to learn. Um, within reason. I'm also an introvert, so I had zero interest in doing cold calling, which maybe people now don't even know what that is. (laughs) That was a technique, and I refused to do it. So for me, it was really just, how how was I supposed to get the word out and and let people know that I was in business? So what I did back then, and again, I mean, I still think this is a viable resource, but I actually, my, my hairstylist let me put a box in his salon that said, "Win a free makeover and um he had great people they put they entered and um so that was how I actually started building my business and um and then also networking once I learned what networking was and why I would want to do it, I realized that was powerful, and I became. Um, as as nervous as I was about networking, because as I mentioned, I'm an introvert. And so stepping into a room full of people I don't know is not my most favorite thing to do. But I realized that it was one of the things that I had to do in order to be in business. And that once I got to know people there, it would be fun. And so between networking and um, really speaking to people I knew who were willing to help, I was able to build my business. And then when Websites became popular. I jumped on that bag- bandwagon immediately. Immediately, I knew that was what I do is so visual that I realized I had to have a way of showing people what I do and letting them um, get a sense of who I am because my business is very personal. I see my clients in their underwear. You know, they're not going to just come to any person who, you know, puts out an ad and says, I'll help you look good they need to get a sense of, is this person, does she have integrity? Is she um, sensitive? You know, is she somebody who I can feel comfortable with expressing, you know, the different issues that I have around my clothes? And for women, most of us have lots of issues. So it <laughs> to be with somebody who feel, they feel comfortable with. So that, I mean, I, I could go on and on, but that's kind of a little bit of how my business um, evolved and, uh, and now a lot of my business is, is done or my advertising is done online.
1: Right. So, so what I'm hearing is you, you really, you, know, you took that time to build yourself up as an expert and as someone who could be trusted. Um, and so as the, you've got over your fear of networking or your dislike of, of networking in person. Um, so in terms of kind of current challenges as just as a business owner, what, what are the key ones would you say at the moment you have at the moment, Ginger?
2: I would say it's keeping all the um, balls in the air. You know, it's there's a lot that has to be juggled. Um, There was no such thing as social media back then. It it really was a much simpler world, maybe harder in some ways, but um, simpler. And now just trying to keep on top of everything so fast-paced and um, changes so quickly, trying to keep on top of it all, it can be a little bit overwhelming. So I keep reminding myself to come back to basics. And also not to stretch myself too thinly so that I'm not trying to be on every social media platform there is, you know, uh, but to pick the ones that I feel are most effective or that I enjoy doing the most um, and trying to keep all the, um, the balls in the air when I'm juggling so many different things. But for me right now, that's the biggest the biggest challenge is um, keeping it all moving forward <laughs> not be For sure yeah
1: <laughs> I, get, I get that because it's interesting because obviously you know your business you in a way you are your brand and obviously there's only one you and one person can only do so much in terms of time particularly if you're working one-on-one with clients so um, how do you leverage your skills to reach a broader base of people
2: well, very interesting that you asked that because really, my business is um, very one on one based. I do have a lot of private clients, um, and I realize that you know, as you mentioned, there's only so many hours in the day, and there's only so many people that I can work with in that way and 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 it's a lot of it takes a lot of energy so i I do have ways that I can work with people virtually and, and actually the um, most effective way I think at this point will be a new online course that I'm just creating called Dress to Impress Yourself, a do-it-yourself guide to a wardrobe you love. And it's um it has not been released yet. It'll be released within the next month. Um, but it's um it it will walk people through the steps that I use with my private clients with me right there along the way, both in terms of I've made lots of videos because again, as I've mentioned, what I do is very visual. And I also have an online forum, which um, is part of another program that I'm using, and it's been incredibly effective for women all over the world. And um, so people will have access to me personally as well through the online forum. So um, I think that is a way for me to leverage my time and my expertise and to be able to reach more people, particularly since, you know, I'm I'm a baby boomer and um, women over 40, 50, 60 We're kind of left out of the fashion world. And so knowing how to dress and as our bodies change, knowing how to dress a new body, it gets complicated and and frustrating. And so I want to make sure that I can help as many women as possible. And an online course is really the way right now that I think that I can do that
1: yeah fantastic I love that because I think a lot of people get uh, stuck in that thing of thinking well I've only got to work one-on-one and that that's a really good way particularly for service providers to do what you've done and to to, to be able to offer uh, as an adjunct to what you do these kind of online or virtual offerings and um, out of curiosity Ginger what percentage approximately of your clientele are vegan and seek you out because you're vegan compared with say non-vegans who hire you simply because of your image consulting skills
2: well, I, I don't know that I know the exact answer to that, but I will say my vegan clientele is small. Um, I would say it's maybe maybe not even 10% of my clients. Um, however, I do find that people are finding me or seeking me out more now. Um, with that particular reason in mind, that they want image consulting help, but they also want someone who's sensitive to the plight of animals. And um, so that is a growing um, client, uh, clientele that's that's coming to me. And the other part is women who have been with me already or, or come to me and realize that, oh, I was looking for an image consultant, but hey, she understands about this and I'm curious about this. So I'm finding that it's it's enlightening people who maybe haven't thought about this possibility before, and I'm also becoming more of a go-to person for people who want both of those things from me. So it is growing um, slowly but surely it is, and um, and that feels very um, exciting and heartening to me.
1: And that's wonderful. I think that's a really lovely example. You're a really lovely example of how you don't have to, you know, immerse yourself in the vegan world just because you, you are a vegan and running your business on ethical vegan principles and that you're actually, you know, you can work with other people and, and like you say, get them influenced or interested, um, in veganism and aware of some of the, the issues. So I think that's, that's a really great example. So just going back to how we talked about, you know, juggling many tasks in, involved in running a business, particularly when there's kind of just you. Um, what, if any, expert help do you or have you used over the years to to grow your business? So hiring staff or contractors or professionals for business coaching, marketing, publicity, that kind of thing.
2: Absolutely. Um, and I would like, if I could go back for one second, I would like to just say that in a perfect world, I would love my business to be all vegan. Um, and if I had started back years ago, when, if I was vegan when I had started, that would probably be the case. I have to say it is hard for me when I have clients who are looking at leather or looking at wool, um, and and I have to help them in that way. And, and I struggle. I do struggle with this. Um, but I've made a decision that I can make more impact by staying in my business, even if everybody isn't vegan yet. I do believe that down the road that will be the case. Um, but I, I do I do struggle with that. It, it is hard for me. Um, so then on to the other question that you asked. I, I remember once, um, years ago, I, I have worked on and off for the past 20 years or so with a coach. I do believe very, 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 very strongly in coaching, uh, particularly for sole proprietors like me who um, are, are working a little bit in a vacuum. And it's nice to have... Someone who has expertise in these areas to bounce ideas off of, get feedback, you know, run issues by, that kind of thing. So I am a huge proponent of coaching. Um, And I remember many years ago now, I was interviewing a coach. And she said to me, you know what, I will only work with you if you hire a virtual assistant. And that was when virtual assistants were kind of a new thing. And so I looked into it and I said, oh, okay, but I don't know if she'll be able to do what I do as well as I do it. In, <laughs> you know, all all of those worries that we have. And she said, you have no choice. You're going to have to train her because there's going to come a point where you just can't do it all. And I And she says, and I think you're at that point. So I hired somebody and I have never looked back. I've had a virtual assistant now. In fact, I have the same. I've only had two ever. And um, over the you know, 20, 25 years that since uh, that's been true. And wow. um, and I love my, my virtual assistant. My first one left because she had had her fourth child and that she needed to stay home. And my other one has been with me now for probably close to 15, at least 15 years.
0: Wow. So I've been very
2: blessed in that way. And I trust her implicitly. She takes care of so many things that, you know, administrative things that I'm perfectly capable of doing, but I really need my time and energy to go in a different place. So I'm a big believer that you have to reach out and you need to be willing to get help in in areas that are not your area of expertise. I mean, sure, we could all learn everything there is to know about marketing and everything there is to know about social media, but you know what? Then you'd have no time to do what you're in your business to do. So um, I have hired um, virtual assistants. I have a bookkeeper. I have um, right now I've hired a marketing team to help me with my online course um, and getting the word out about that. And, and pulling also all the technical issues around putting together an online course. It's much more complicated than people might think. Um, and I have a technical person who helps me with things like newsletters and announcements and some social media things and that kind of stuff. So, I have, a, I have quite a wonderful, um, uh, what do you call them? Just support staff around me who um, help in ways that I, I'm just so thankful for them every single day. And I encourage everyone to reach out and maybe not in the first you know, six months or year that you're in business, but um, once you realize that you can't do everything, you have to reach out and get help.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful advice. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. So in terms of competition, um, you know, obviously there are image consultants and like you say, the vegan side of things is just a small part of your business. So how do you go about standing out both within the vegan business arena and outside of it and maintaining a steady flow of work and clientele?
2: Well, um, I mean, there aren't a, a massive number of vegan image consultants that I've seen out there. I, I know of at least one other woman um, in New York, Adrienne. Um, oh, yeah. And, and then there may be a few others out there um, who I don't know about or or who are much younger than I am. Um, and so they, they meet a different um, need out there in the world. Um, I don't really... You know, I could get myself all bogged down and worrying about competition, and and I let that go years ago. I realized that we're all here to serve a different purpose, that we're all different people, and that someone who would be attracted to work with me might not be attracted to work with Adrian, and the other way around. Um, or, or the location is just wrong for one of us, whatever it it might be. I believe there's room for everyone in our world and and, in whatever it is that we do, um, and that we can see ourselves as allies and, um, uh, just use that to, first of all, to keep ourselves from getting very negative. Um, and secondly, because we can't, um, be everything to everybody. And so I'm always happy. I've referred many people to other, well, in most cases, it's image consultants, but other image consultants when either I cannot meet whatever need it is that they have. Or, for instance, I have a, people who come to me and say, you know, do you work with men? I don't work with men, but I know a great image consultant in the Boston area who works with men. So I send them to her. Um, and so I believe that there's room for all of us. And so I don't look at it as competition. I look at it as um, and, and particularly this is true in the vegan aspect of all this, I look at it as more and more vegan image consultants and vegan fashion people come into being. It means that there's more demand and more that's awareness. Easy. And yeah. I think that's a really good thing.
1: Fantastic. It's like that whole thing of instead of, you know, thinking of people as competition, looking at how to collaborate. And like you've you mentioned, that's the kind of thing that you do. And it's it, it all kind of goes around and, and we share um, you know, customers and clients. So that's, and I'm finding that particularly in the vegan community. A lot of pe- vegan entrepreneurs are saying that, you know, they're very keen because we've got this mission driven business. You know, we want to, to share that message and we're quite happy to, to help each other out. So that's really great to hear that. Um, so in terms of marketing, the use of the word vegan, this is the one that I ask everybody in your marketing materials on your website, the prominence of the word. Um, some people say, oh, you know, we shouldn't use vegan. It's a bit of a scary word, maybe we should use plant-based, and, uh, but then other people go, no, no, it's much more positive now. What are your thoughts on this? And particularly over the, the time that you've been vegan, um, how much of the word do you use? How prominently do you use it? What, what's your thoughts on that?
2: I use the word a lot. Um, and I try to raise awareness about what it means because I think it's gotten very muddied out there. And I am a total purist when it comes to what veganism means. It's not just what you eat. It's really, you know, a philosophy of life and, um, you know, doing the least amount of harm, that kind of thing on many levels. And this, and, and for me, obviously plant-based doesn't work because, um, I'm talking in this, in this particular aspect of my life, I'm talking about fashion. And the thing for, um, what I do is that, you know, people can, eat a vegan diet, if you will, for health reasons and not care one iota about animals. They cannot, the only reason someone would choose not to buy a leather handbag or not to wear a wool sweater is because they care about animals. It has nothing to do with their health unless they find wool itchy or something like that. (laughs) um, It's really all only about the animals. And so I use veganism liberally. You'll see it on my website a lot. I sometimes throw in cruelty free just so I don't get too redundant. Um, but um, I, I'm a big believer in expressing what using the word vegan and and being very clear about what that means. Um, and so I, you'll see it everywhere on my website and in my marketing materials.
1: Fantastic. That's good to hear. I really like to hear that. Now, what current marketing strategies do you use at the moment, um, Ginger, and which do you find most effective?
2: Well, the ways that I get most of my clients, and and again, you have to remember I've been in business a really, really long time. Um, There are three ways that I get clients. One is referrals. The other is my website, and the third way is speaking engagements. Um, and for me right now, one of the things when it comes to marketing, and as I mentioned, I I have hired a marketing company to help me with my new online course. But in general, um, my website is, I, I have a lot of people who find me by way of organic searches and I spend a lot of my advertising dollars on, um, SEO. So I optimize my website so that people who are searching for what I do can find me. Um, and I've been a big believer since the very beginning that that's where a lot of my marketing dollars should go Um, because particularly for what I do, although these days people search for everything, but again, what I do, people are often researching, kind of getting a sense that they want to look behind the scenes a little bit first before they actually engage anybody, and um, having a a website that's, that's findable, that's searchable, is absolutely critical. So I would say that search engine optimization is um, one of my biggest marketing tools that I use.
1: Mm, that's an interesting you said that because I know a lot of um, businesses have been a bit frustrated with Google and all its changes and its algorithms and it's kind of really thrown out their their organic search. So it's good to hear that you've really kept on, on top of that and, and it's well, still um, working for you.
2: That's exactly, I mean, people, that's why people can't do it themselves. It's another one of those cases where, you know, you could spend every minute of your waking day trying to understand, you know, what is Google doing now? When instead you can (laughs) hire someone who that's what they do and they love to learn what Google's doing now and keep you in the forefront. And I stay very, 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 very high in the search engines as a result. And I don't have to think about it unless something gets, Unless, you know, my SEO guy says, oh, you know what? We dropped a few points. Google's doing this, so we need to make some changes. Okay, fine. Tell me what they are. You know, right. so I don't have to stand out to that stuff. I, I don't
1: have time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, that's great. Good. And you said there were three, mainly three types of marketing. So you mentioned SEO. What are the other two?
2: Oh, well, those are the, um, the speaking engagements and, oh, right. um, yeah. and um, referrals. I get a lot of people who send people to me.
1: Right, right, for sure, excellent. Now you're also the author of That's So You um, and having a book, it's a great way to position yourself as an expert. Um, It helps you to get speaking engagements too and raise the profile of your brand. So tell us a little bit about how that book deal came about. Like did you go to a publisher? Did they come to you? Did you
2: self-publish? How did that happen? I actually self-published, and the self-publishing world is a whole different world than what it used to be, um, which is part of the reason that I decided to go ahead and do it. I wanted to be able to get my book out fairly quickly, and um, I went with Balboa Press, which is the self-publishing arm of Hay House. And basically, what I tell people is they do everything that Hay House does. Um, except I pay them instead of them paying me, so it's um, you know my book still looks very professional. It is; it was done professionally, um, and they did all of you know getting it on oh sorry getting it on Amazon and um, uh, you know getting all the ISBN numbers and all of that kind of stuff. It's um, they took care of all of that. So I have uh, I did the self-publishing route because I, I had something I wanted to say. I wanted to get it out there quickly. I didn't want to have to deal with agents and publishers um, telling me what I could and couldn't do. And it, it worked out beautifully.
1: That's excellent. It's good because, and you're right, the self-publishing industry has changed so much. Um, oh I've had experience God. on both yeah. sides of it. And nowadays, you know, it is a, a great way to, like you say, get out there and, and quickly and, and get what you want out there while still maintaining quality, um, uh, which yes. is fantastic. So what have been some of the benefits that you've seen, um, in regards to the book? What, what, how has it helped your business?
2: Well, I agree. It, it does bring about credibility and it also, it's a really good way for people to get a sense of who I am and my approach to fashion. And in my book, there is a chapter on vegan fashion. I decided, I in a lot about it for a couple of minutes, but mostly I, um, I realized it was an important part of what I did and I wanted to, uh, give people information. So, um, I, I do have a chapter in there on vegan fashion. Um, and, and it's, um, so it, it it's a great um, jumping off point for people to get a sense of, okay, is this somebody who I would want to work with to a greater degree? Um, and also to give them information so that they can start to put together a, a look that they love and realize what um, I feel are the basics and the foundations for doing that.
1: Right, right. It. Do, you think, do you think it's helped you get more speaking engagements because you can say to people, hey, look, I'm the author of this book?
2: Um, maybe a little, but again... I think because I'm so easily searchable that um, I'm not sure that people lead by way of the book to find me. It, it, it's possible, but I haven't had a ton of people tell me that. I have to be honest that way.
1: Right, right. And um, in terms of social media, um, you just said about earlier you didn't want to be on every single one because you just don't have time. I'm imagining, obviously, because, like you say, what you do is so visual. Um, what are the social media platforms that are most effective for your business in generating leads and sales?
2: Um, well, I, I I spend most of my time on Facebook. That seems to be where a lot of my clients are. I am on uh, LinkedIn as well. I'm not quite as active there, but I am there. And I do a tiny bit with Twitter uh, and a little bit with, with Pinterest. Um, But Facebook is really the place where I spend most of my time. And in fact, it's really fun because, um, years ago, uh, um, Gail Goodwin, Goodman, who was the, um, CEO of Constant Contact, she actually put me in her book, which is called Engagement Marketing, when I was doing um, a Facebook Fashion Friday. And um, every other Friday at uh, for a half an hour in the afternoon, I was on Facebook answering questions. And this was before everybody was doing that. So it was kind of fun that um, I got, uh, I was actually ahead of the curve, which I, I can't say that I always <laughs> am, but it was kind of fun with social media to have that be the case for that. But Facebook has really been my, my lead social media.
1: And and is that like as you personally and being involved, say, in groups or your personal profile or as your page, as Total Image Consultants page?
2: Well, I actually have a personal page, which it seems that's where most people seem to go. Um, I do have a business page. And I actually about a year ago maybe started a Facebook group, which I actually really like. Um, it's a place where I go and I will make suggestions um, for Um, things that I found that I think the women who are uh, in the group will be interested in. And every single one of them is vegan always.
1: Oh, wow. That's great. And you find that gets you business as well, having the group? Um,
2: Well, yes and no. Um, I think to a certain extent, yes. I don't know that it's a huge number of people, but again, it's a way that people can kind of check me out before they come and work with me.
1: So, yes, I have gotten
2: business from Facebook for sure. I wouldn't say it's my lead, my main way of getting business.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because Facebook, again, a bit like Google, it keeps changing and changing its yeah, rules. Yeah. It seems that groups are quite popular at the moment because you can literally, you know, as you say, gather a tribe of people who are interested in what you're doing, showcase your expertise, as you said, allow them to check you out. Um, and then, you know, hopefully, hopefully potentially, um, hire you down the track or recommend you or refer, refer you, which is wonderful. Now, you've also, um, been, you've had a ton of media coverage, um, over the years, which is fantastic um how did you get that um ginger did you hire a pr firm are you are you someone that approaches media directly yourself (laughs)
2: um no and no (laughs) actually many years ago i did hire a pr firm for a short while um because i thought wow if i'm getting this much media without doing much of anything imagine what i could get if i hired someone and it was a bust um they were getting me things that were kind of weird. Like, you know, a, a magazine that wants to know, you know, what did children what is it when a celebrity dresses their child in a certain look, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know, I don't care. <laughs> you know, that was like not my focus. It's getting me stuff like this. Um, so to be honest with you, all the media that um comes to me, um, they find me.
1: I wow. don't
2: I, I know, I don't do anything to go out and um look further or generate more. Again, I, it really comes back to that SEO. They can find me
1: easily. Yeah. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say it's obviously it's not that you're just sitting around doing nothing. You're up. It's because you're doing all that stuff, like you say, the SEO. You're out there on social media. Um, yeah. You know, you're making it easy for for the media to find you. And I think that's really important to let people know that because you know the more you are out there and people know about you, then you know the media will find you. So I think that's a, a really really good example. So thank you for sharing that. Very impressed as well. So <laughs> <laughs> thank, oh, you. thank you, thank <laughs> you. Just a final couple or so questions. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the mindset um, because, you know, a lot of business owners say running a business, owning a business, uh, it's the fastest form of personal development because, you know, you're forced out of your comfort zone. Um, What qualities would you say, Ginger, are essential to staying the course and running a successful business?
2: Um, I think it comes down to several things. One is persistence. Um, because there will be days in your own business when you'll think, "Oh, why am I doing this?" You know, my people aren't finding me, or that client's really annoying, or whatever it might be. Um, you, you have to be persistent and just make it through those days. And I always used to tell myself, you know, a, a bad day in my business was sometimes still better than a good day when I was working for somebody else. So persistence and, and you have to have passion, which I'm sure is not a, an issue for most people getting into their own business. And particularly when it comes to anything vegan related, usually people are getting into it for passionate reasons. Um, I think you have to be true to your integrity. Always, always, always do not compromise that. And um, also, don't try, and we've talked touched on this, but don't try to do it all alone. Um, we need help. We're we, uh, we're we're meant to have support in the world. There's too much that you need to know. So I think it's really important that you be willing to, um, you know, invest where you need to invest um, in order to to build your business. And, um, also one thing that I tell, because I have a lot of women who approach me all the time is, how do I start an image consulting business? And I tell them, you know, you need to have another source of income while you're building it. And, um, the last thing you want to do is quit your job and say, I'm with no money saved and say I'm going to go start a business. Um, and I've heard people doing this. I know some people will go. Well, no one would do that. But yes, people will do that. And you, you, because you have to invest money in order to start a business. And the last thing you want to be doing is running your business out of desperation. You want to run it out of passion and um and a, just a drive that uh, that you know you have to do this. But not because uh, you need to make a million dollars in your first month in business. You might not. I mean, it took me. Six years, it was a different world back then. It took me six years to be able to go full-time in my business. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that that would be true today, but um, it still might take me two. Um, So you have to um, have some money set aside or another source of income while you're building your business.
1: I love that. That's such an important um, piece of advice because you're right. A lot of people do seem to think that, okay, in order to run a business, I've got to quit my job and, you know, launch straight into it. And and like you're right, you know, people can smell that desperation on you. They can detect it and it's not a good place trying to you know sell your your services to so thank you very much for sharing that um so what uh, in order to keep yourself um you know kind of mentally strong and you know to get through those those tricky days what um, specific steps strategies or techniques do you use or have you used to um ensure good emotional well-being as a business owner
2: well, as I mentioned, I almost always have a coach um, or I may go through short times between coaches or um, whatever. But I, I believe in having a coach so that you can you know, bounce things off of them, um, ideas and uh, frustrations, whatever it might be. And that keeps you in a more positive or me in a more positive um, with a more positive focus. I also do a lot. I listen to a lot of self-help tapes and I particularly listen to the Abraham Hicks um, Law of Attraction tapes. And I've been doing it for over 10 years. And that, for me, is um, if I'm a crabby on a day or even if I'm stuck in traffic and thinking, why so <laughs> oh, much traffic? This is terrible. I stick one of those, those um, CDs in and I, it immediately settles me. And then I also actually, this might sound silly, but on my phone several times a day, I have affirmations that pop up and they just remind me that, um, you know, um, I'm open and receptive to all good. That's one that I use all the time. Or things are always working out for me. Those are um, affirmations that I have pop up. And it's great because every once in a while I'll be in a little bit of a funk and I'll and that'll come up and I'll go, oh, yeah, things do always work out. Okay, I'm in a little <laughs> funk now, but you know what? It'll be okay, okay tomorrow or the next day or whatever. So those are some of the things that I do.
1: That's brilliant because it's mindset so important, isn't it? And, it, you know, we can waste Beautiful. so much time getting bogged down in negative and, you know, self-critical talk. And I think that's probably and I hate to generalize, but I think, you know, that's particularly true of women. Um, So it's it's really good to to hear those useful strategies that you can do. What have been the key lessons you've learned through running your business, Ginger? It's been 29 years now. So what, what you, would you say the key things that you've learned either about yourself or professionally or both?
2: Well, you know, as I mentioned, I'm an introvert and I in in my earlier life, I was incredibly shy. I've learned to try to temper that a little bit. But I have realized that uh, for me, persistence really has paid off and my passion for what I do and that I can be an introvert. And have a very, very successful business. There were times when I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, everybody is out there cold calling or they're, you know, going to every networking event that ever existed. And I don't like to do that. So I realized that I could find my own way um, and I could with passion and persistence, I could make that work. And then I also. Um, so, Ginger, how, how did you do that? If you really
1: didn't like that, like, did you use? Did you still do it regardless, and just kind of get used to it, or how did you kind of break through that? Not like not well, wanting to go to those events.
2: Well, with the networking events, what I did was I, um, I would have to make myself go to the first one, and um, and I could get a sense. I really listened to my gut. I could get a sense in the first, you know, tenor. 15 minutes or just throughout the, the evening or day, um, I could get a sense of was this a good fit for me? Was I meeting people who I could talk to and who put me at ease? Or was I finding that everybody was kind of in their own little cliques and that I was feeling like an outsider? And so I kept going to the ones who I felt welcome. And, um, and then I realized that, okay, you know, networking is not about going to And an endless number of new groups. It's about really getting into the groups where you feel comfortable and where your target market is and, and um, becoming really active and well known. And so that became easier for me. That I could do. Once I started to make friends at um, these networking events, then I would get on the board. Then I would become, I became the membership director of one of the networking groups that I, so I met every single person who came into that group. And I'm very good at putting other people at ease because I think because I can feel not at ease so easily in a in a crowd of people I don't know. So I wanted to make other people feel at ease. And for me, that, that was easy. So I belonged to two, maybe three networking groups that I became very active in in the beginning. And so I realized that for me, that was how to make networking work. And personally, I think that's the most effective way to network anyway. Yeah. Um, So, and I I just flat out refused to ever cold call. And I realized if that was the only way to build a business, then I was going to, I'm just not going to be able to be a business. But I didn't believe that that was true. I knew there had to be other ways around it. And networking was one of those.
1: I really love that you've shared that about networking because I think even more so nowadays like we've got meet up groups and there seems to be every week I get notifications you know oh, there's this new group in your area and you're right I think a lot of business owners and particularly when they're in the beginning they think oh yeah I've just got to like keep going to every single one and lots of new ones and then they get disheartened so I love that you've you you know shared that really useful advice that you find the right ones and then you you stick with them and and grow so that that was really lovely that was a real golden nugget um, Well you also won't
2: that you want get business the other way. You won't get business by meeting somebody one time and handing them your business card. People do business mm. with people they like and people they know and feel comfortable with. And that's particularly true for women. Um and so you if you keep doing that you'll you'll really hate um networking because and you won't be using it effectively and you won't be getting the results. So you'll think it doesn't work. It does work if you if you do what I did and do and that is get involved in a group and become very active. Um, and it becomes more comfortable and it feels a little bit more like home, yes, that's that's exactly how it will work and it'll feel more comfortable for somebody who doesn't feel like a natural networker to begin with.
1: Brilliant. And just finally, Ginger, what's your long-term vision for yourself and your brand?
2: Uh, well, <laughs> my long-term vision is to have everybody dressed vegan. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, yes. And I and I still I still keep that belief that it is possible. I'm hoping it will be in my lifetime. Who knows? Um, that's really my long term vision is that I really I want to um be one of the people who helps to get the word out there that this does not have to feel limiting. Um, it can be, you can feel stylish um, and you can do it all without harming animals as one aspect of a, of a vegan lifestyle. Um, and then, you know, the other part of, of me wants to, um, just continue to empower women. And, um, and I think that I'm very good at kind of staying on top of, okay, what's, the best way to reach people, and um, and I'm excited about the online course that I have. I think that it keeps things fresh and new and different. And I'm excited that I can um, start to reach even more people than I've been able to reach, um, and and make a difference in their life. So I I I think my right now my focus is very much on my uh, online course. But I've been doing this for 29 years, and I really feel like this is what I this is my calling, and this is what i have meant to do. And I will just continue to do it in whatever uh, way I'm supposed to do it as the world evolves. Um, And our world is evolving to be vegan. I truly in my heart believe that. And I am going to continue to um, send that message out into the world and to support people who want to take that step.
1: That's wonderful. It's an absolutely beautiful vision. And it is indeed very exciting times. And it's wonderful that, you know, you've been a pioneer in this um, particular area. So I'm very excited about you reaching even more people. You've shared some wonderful um, nuggets of wisdom, Ginger, um, in your, you know, vast experience of running your business. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me
2: today. Thank you, Katrina. It's been a pleasure.
0: So that was Ginger Burr from Total Image Consultants. You can find out more about Ginger and her services at TotalImageConsultants.com. And you can find that link on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts. Now for our vegan business news roundup. Exciting new discoveries in the world of vegan fashion are happening. First Spanish designer Carmen Hijosa released her Pinatex leather made from pineapple. And now researchers at Iowa State University have developed a leather alternative made from kombucha, the popular fermented drink. Cellulose fibres left over from the kombucha are combined with a mixture of vinegar and sugar. A film is then grown by using bacteria and yeast. Jung A. Lee, an associate professor of apparel merchandising and design at Iowa State, says the properties of this film are similar to leather once it's harvested and dried and can be used to make clothing, shoes or handbags. The research team at the university are currently carrying out product development and testing and looking into ways to make mass production viable. As well as being an animal-free product, the new material is also 100% biodegradable. So good to see technology working in a positive way for people, animals and planet. In a recent episode of Vegan Business Talk, I reported the German restaurant the Dandy Diners launch in Berlin was so popular that police had to close the party down due to so many crowds rocking up. Well, a similar scenario occurred in the New Forest area of the UK recently, only this time without the cops. The Hampshire Vegan Fair, the first of its kind in the area, drew a crowd of around 1,200 people, almost double the 700 expected, reports the Daily Echo. The queues were so long at one point that organiser Lizzie Shaw, founder of Dorset Vegan, handed out free punna chocolate treats to those waiting outside the venue. Shaw told the newspaper that many people had travelled from miles away to attend the event. And this kind of news is so uplifting, knowing that so many people are keen to experience vegan living. California Giant Berry Farms is partnering with Duda Farm Fresh Foods, Natural Delights Medjool Dates and vegan blogger Kathy Patalski from Healthy Happy Life on nine new desserts for vegans and other consumers, reports the Packer. The recipes are featured in a free e-book, Decadent Vegan Desserts, and each company has sent it to customers in their database, including Patalski's followers. The brand's logos are on the book's cover. So this is a great example of collaboration between a blogger and brands that's a win for everyone. Patalski's followers, who are both vegan and non-vegan, are introduced to the company's products to make their culinary creations, and the company's customers get exposed to delicious vegan recipes. So, if you're listening to this and you're a blogger, think about what brands you could team up with for similar ventures. Or if you produce products, research potential bloggers to collaborate with. 55% 55% of American residents plan to eat more plant-based foods this year, a study by Wakefield Researchers found, reports latest vegan news. Of the 55%, 36% say they're going to eat somewhat more, and 19% much more. The research was commissioned by tofu manufacturer House Foods. Yoko de Francia, PR and marketing manager at House Foods America, told Latest Vegan News the survey results are indicating a real shift in how Americans think about and consume food. The study included 1,015 nationally representative US adults aged 18 and over between March 7th and 11th, 2016, using an email invitation and online survey. Finally, more good news on the food front. Eric Schmidt, executive chairman of Google's parent company Alphabet, has predicted the top six most important tech trends. And according to Fortune magazine, number one on Schmidt's list is plant protein. Schmidt sees a revolution coming in using plants to replace meat, the magazine writes, citing sustainability as a major factor in the push to develop new products. Schmidt is reportedly to have said the world is now ready to better produce synthetic food from plants with the help of computers and data crunching. So the plant-based food sector is seriously taking off and there are so many opportunities right now for vegan business owners to be part of this growing movement. As the song goes, let the good times roll. (laughs) So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving in a review and a rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. I'm Katrina Fox from veganbusinessmedia.com and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. Bye for now.